This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Binsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome into a post-Turkey Day Black Friday episode of Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. We hope you enjoyed yesterday with your loved ones, but now we're back and ready to preview this Sunday's matchup between the 5-6 and six Carolina Panthers and the 4-7 and seven Miami Dolphins. But before we get into our preview, let me welcome in my turkey-loving co-host, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. How's it going today, Jake? Josh, the food coma is alive and well, and here we are. The Miami Dolphins, they got out to their Black Friday shopping a little early. And Josh, they went out and signed Philip Lindsay, running back, who was formerly with the Houston Texans. I think he has just one rushing touchdown on the year. I think he's averaging 2.6 yards per carry. Um, and if you're about as jacked up as I am right now hearing those stats, I, I certainly don't blame you. Uh, but man, what was your thoughts when you heard about this deal going down? Because 
as Dolphin fans and as a team who is never, you know, a, a full, complete roster, this time of year, we're always wondering, like, who's going to get cut? And, and we always try to justify why the Dolphins should bring in players X, Y, Z, whoever it may be. Uh, but this time they actually did bring up Philip Lindsay. So, Josh, what would you think when uh, the Dolphins decided to make this move and uh, pick him up off the waiver wire? thought it was the right move. I mean, I don't think anyone can sit here and say this is the same Philip Lindsay that, you know, we all praised back in the fantasy football years of what, 2018. I think those first two years he rushed for a thousand yards there in Denver. And I mean, the hype surrounding him was, you know, unbelievable. So I don't think we're getting the same player that, you know, rushed for 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns with the Denver Broncos. But I do think we have a player that could upgrade that running back room. And, you know, brings a little bit of juice, brings a different element of, I guess, toughness to this running back room. And uh, I guess it just, fell in line with what we continue to hear about the Dolphins, you know, leaving no stone unturned, trying to better this roster. I loved it. And it did come out today. The Dolphins were the only team to put a claim in for Philip Lindsay. So I don't think we'll see him this weekend, but you know, again, this is a guy who didn't have that great of a year so far with Houston, but who knows, maybe a change of scenario is all he needs. So I was pretty excited about this move. Yeah. And it's one of those things where we can't really confirm it, but I thought the Dolphins rushing attack would have been better against the Jets. If someone like Malcolm Brown was active, because it just seemed like Miles Gaskin was someone who, uh, Every big hole, he'd get his four or five yards, but then the first arm tackle would uh, spin him around like a corkscrew. So Josh Gaskin had a, I think it was a season high, 89 rushing yards against the Jets. Uh, But again, I I think that left a a little more than, uh, I think we wanted a little more than that performance that we saw from Gaskin. His usage is so high. I'm interested in this move. I mean, the Dolphins are competing. This could be that little jolt. And uh, if not, we'll start uh, talking about next year. But before we do that, Josh, This is a big week for the Miami Dolphins. They're on a three-game winning streak. They're sitting at four and seven. Carolina Panthers are coming to town at five and six. Josh, they started the season on a three-game winning streak. Uh, They're two and two over the last four weeks. They're coming off a 27 to 21 loss to Washington, which featured maybe their best opportunity to win a game. And that's the energy of Cam Newton coming back into the building for this team. Uh, We all know they traded for Sam Darnold. He did not play well. Cam Newton came in. I think he threw for two touchdowns, rushed for a third. And Josh, I mean, this is a pretty interesting matchup for the Dolphins. You know, you hear five and six and you hear four and seven, but both of these teams are trying to do everything they can to stay in the playoff hunt, whether it's the Dolphins and Tua trying to prove that he's the guy or the Panthers. I mean, they traded for Stefan Kilmore. You bring in um, Cam Newton. This is a this is an organization, too, that needs to make the playoffs and prove that they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think they also made a trade for C.J. Henderson. So they've been, yep. been pretty, you know, proficient in trying to adjust their roster, Jake. But I mean, I think this is one of those games, you know, when you looked at the beginning of the year, even when Sam Darnold was starting, I mean, I, I honestly looked at it and say, you know, this is one of those games that can go either way because the Carolina Panthers do have some dynamic playmakers that we'll talk about. You know, they do have that tough defense that's going to possibly cause to a tongue of a little nightmare. So I do think this is one of those games, you know, we've heard for weeks, you know, oh, the Dolphins battle back and they get to 500. You know, everyone was counting these wins like they already were a foregone conclusion. This yeah. is going to be a tough matchup. Carolina opens as 1.5. Point favorites, the over and under, I think, is 41 and a half. And these two teams have only met six times throughout history, Jake. Uh, the Dolphins lead the series a four and two record, but have lost the last two. The most recent meeting being a 45 21 loss in 2017. So, um, I, I again, I think this is going to be a lot tougher of a matchup than many of us expect. And when you're facing off against some of those guys like Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, some of those other talented players, I mean, it's just going to be set up for a really good matchup. And I hope the Dolphins came to play. You mentioned that this was a game early in the season that we kind of thought could go either way. This is one that, you know, if you win, you're in a really good position. But Josh, after going on a seven game losing streak, all of a sudden those games that, you know, might be tight. I mean, you don't have that room for error to lose games like this. Uh, So the Panthers are entering the week as the NFL's most penalized team, getting flagged 81 times on the year, Josh. 
The Dolphins aren't too far behind them with 75 penalties. Uh, that's already, Josh, one more than they had in all of 2020. I think that was one of our biggest Oof. concerns was seeing this identity of the Brian Flores-led team. Uh, you know, it was what we wanted out of Joe Phil- Philbin, that guy who's going to run that clean ship. And all of a sudden, you know, you- you're wondering what's happening here. I think it's actually up in the league. Uh, every team is getting penalized more. But man, hearing 75 penalties, and that's already what more they had in 2020. I mean, that's a little bit concerning. Uh, but the flip side, which it might be a good thing, but on at the same time, it even might be a little more concerning. Uh, the Dolphins have only been hit for the 16th most penalty yards this season. Uh, and to me, Josh, it sounds like that's a lot of pre-snap penalties, the false starts, even a couple of holds here and there, but they aren't getting hurt on, you know, the big pass interferences or the big mental issues. It's just kind of figuring out how to do things cleanly that a young team really hasn't been able to do so, so far. Yeah, Jake. And I mean, the way when you were saying that, the first thing I thought of is, are we going to see, you know, those 28 penalties that some people saw if they were watching that Raiders Cowboys game last night? I mean, this almost sounds like it's setting up to maybe even top that. So hopefully, you know, we're not sitting here and it's just a game that drags out for what, five, six hours because of all these penalties. Um, I think what's most telling is that the Miami Dolphins will be going against the second ranked defense in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers only allowing 288.7 yards Per game, they are the number one ranked pass defense, allowing 174.2 yards through the air. So when you look at what Tua Tungavaloa has been able to do over the last few weeks, last week he threw for 273 yards, two touchdowns, the interception, he had that huge play to Matt Collins down the field. I mean, uh, this is the way you want to see the Dolphins open things up. You want to see them attack defenses that way. But when you're going against a defense, like you mentioned, with a Stephon Gilmore, with an A.J. Bouye, with C.J. Henderson, you know, you can name off all the players in that secondary that are, you know, upper echelon in the league. I mean, when you're going against the Dolphins offense, he knows we're now relying on Mac Collins and, you know, has some other struggles there with the playmakers. I mean, I don't know what's going to give here, Jake, but this is definitely going to be one of the more intriguing matchups to see the way Tua Tungvaloa can go out there and attack, you know, one of the better defenses because we see him do it a couple weeks now against some of those lowly defenses in the NFL. Uh, he's not going against, you know, a Jets secondary. He's now going against the number one secondary in football. Yeah, I believe his two best, you know, quote unquote, graded performances were for teams. But Josh, this is a quarterback who's starting to get healthier. Uh, Last week, I was kind of hoping would be that stat stuffing game where the Dolphins start to really, you know, flex their muscles and Tua has the three, four touchdowns that we can kind of look back at. Uh, But Josh, as the season goes on and we're trying to see if, hey, do are the Dolphins set at quarterback? Are they going to have to make moves? This is the test, right? These are the situations where you want your quarterback to come out and really steer the game because, this is a game where you could really use it as another type of jumping off point uh, in that pursuit of seven to seven and being at home, you kind of hope that your quarterback can be the guy to really um, uh, take control of the game. Josh Tua was not sacked last week. There were just two quarterback hits against the jets. And I don't know if you saw this man, Barry Jackson put out a story and I thought this was so interesting that of the six games that Tua has started for the dolphins, Miami has scored a touchdown on the opening series in four of them. Josh, those drives were 80 yards, 85 yards, 75 and 78 yards. I think when I hear something like that, and when we think about how this offense is moving, and I think their biggest issue is still they shoot themselves in the foot. I know they have issues. You know, their wide receiving core isn't healthy. The offensive line is is struggling at times. But, man, it's more of just you know the, the false starts that's really hurting them. And then I think plays like this, I just read off those uh, four drives. 80, 85, 75, and 78. Man, only one of those started with just taking a knee in the end zone, with getting the ball to 25. The Dolphins are having to work for their points, and I just think that's such a confusing aspect that they're going on these long, sustained drives. But, man, they aren't making it easy on themselves by just starting at their own 25-yard line. 
not at all, but I do think that's real telling. And I think that's what's so frustrating. And a lot of us have been upset about is the fact that, you know, this offense looks completely different at the beginning of the games with those scripted drives, you know, after the half with those scripted drives. So I, I don't know, man, I guess it all goes back to coaching, but they're going to have to do a lot more than that. You know, this week against, Again, a Carolina Panthers defense that's out of this world. I mentioned their secondary, but Jake, look at that line up front. I mean, they got Brian Burns, one of the best pass rushers in football. They got Derek Brown, one of the best defensive tackles in football. I mean, and then you got Shaq Thompson, Hassan Reddick. I mean, this is going to be a true testament for that Miami Dolphins offensive line, which we've seen struggle time and time again. So um, I sat here and listed off how this is going to be a tough matchup for Tua Tungvaluwa to pick apart that secondary, but it's going to be even tougher of a matchup for him to you know maneuver around that pocket the way he has in previous weeks because uh that that defensive line of the Carolina Panthers is scary on paper Josh he was the fifth guy you brought up but and it, it's insane but it's like deserving in a weird sense but you have Hassan Reddick here this is a guy who has 10 and a half sacks on the year he has at least a Unreal. half a sack in four straight games 18 sacks Josh in his last 15 games how do you feel like this offensive line can do I mean I have a hard time seeing that you know the Dolphins running game is going to be able to break off a big play and make the chicken salad when you need to. So this is really going to go into the hands of the quarterback, man. And one thing we should talk about is, is Michael Dieter coming back this week? There's been a couple of rumors about that going on. I'm, I believe Flores talked about it earlier today. He said he think they were going to check him out this week in practice. I think they had a walkthrough yesterday, but it doesn't sound like he might be ready to go this weekend. So I don't know if we'll get Dieter back. Um, he even sounded a little skeptical, and we'll talk about the defense, but Brandon Jones and Javon Holland also appeared on the injury report. And Jake, I mean, it would be a long-ass day if those guys are out. But I don't know if we'll see Dieter. And again, I guess that's you know kind of a testament to Tua Tungvaluwa. I mean, despite how bad this offensive line has looked, he still goes out there and is able to, you know, elevate everybody around them, I guess. And it's just impressive when you think about Jacoby Brissett back there taking two or three sacks a game. I think you mentioned at the top of this podcast, Tua wasn't sacked at all last week. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, Josh. And he, you know, you know what targets he's going to throw to. He loves Jalen Waddell, rightfully so. He loves Mike Kosicki, rightfully so. Uh, But I think the one thing that's caught me off guard with this offense in total is the lack of usage for the receiving or the tight end room in general. Uh, Now we know Adam Shaheen, it doesn't look like he's going to play. We've had the Durham Smythe appreciation week, it seems like Mike Kosicki was wearing his jersey in press conferences saying he should get paid. So, man, who do you see being that guy who can kind of compliment Waddle and Gasicki? Is it are they is it Durham Smythe time? Is that going to be what starts to happen here uh, of that like that? Or is Matt Collins going to be able to find those open spots against the secondary man that probably won't have a lot of open spots available in it? I was hoping you were going to say Hunter Long. I mean, this might finally be the week, right? Uh-oh. He's he's actually activated. This should be the week that he's finally activated. But um, I, I do. I was going to say Albert Wilson. I mean, he's that guy that I think we're starting to see a little bit of that playmaking ability. We're starting to see him get some of those fabricated snaps, you know, some of those screen passes. I don't know about you, Jake, but last week I saw a couple screens that went his way that I was a little frustrated about. I mean, I'm a huge Albert Wilson guy, but why aren't you throwing those screens to Jalen Waddle and allowing him to, you know, make defenders miss and make some of those big plays? So um, I'm going to say Albert Wilson will step up, but I love that you brought at Matt Collins because he's a guy that you know didn't really stick with the Eagles came to Miami started out as a special teams guy and just what he's done man I mean it's pretty incredible that he's actually worked his way into being a legit receiver and I don't think Eagles fans had any you know did not even think that was possible many years ago yeah and I think it's important to kind of go back to the point that Matt Collins was named a team captain and it kind of highlights that work ethic how he's grown from that special teams and that was a move that when Brian Flores made it and I think there are a lot of these type of decisions that might be borderline PR or things that I guess people are going to get upset about for no reason. Uh, But people were really, really hurt when someone like Matt Collins was named a captain over someone like Tua. And this kind of shows you that, Hey, you know, it, 
Brian Flores loves to see that growth. He loves to see these veterans come in and make something of their uh, career. Emmanuel Agba is another example of that. I mean, if we want to even go back to Andre Branch, I think when you have those type of captains who show that work ethic, who can kind of come in, be somewhere new, and be kind of like that rookie in a new organization and really step up. So, Josh, I do think Matt Collins could be that guy, but I think him – though it's more his successes as a result of the offense. We see the Dolphins running these plays where guys are getting open, wide open down the field. Um, but Albert Wilson on the other hand, I think he's someone who might be able to make his own plays, which could be the difference against a team like the Panthers. I'm with you, Jake. And before we move on to the defense, I have to ask this question. And this might, you know, I might get some heat for this, but Jake, do you think this running back unit's better now with, a, a you know, as crazy as it sounds, I know we haven't seen Philip Lindsay out there, but do you think it could possibly be better than what Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed now with this Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay lineup? Do you think that, you know, as crazy as it sounds, do you think that the Dolphins almost upgraded that running back unit midway through the season? Hey man, you know, in fantasy football, you always got to be tracking that waiver wire to upgrade your team. And I think there's a decent shot of that you know Josh they haven't really pushed that group uh Malcolm Brown was supposed to come in and be a, some sort of a difference maker uh we see Jordan Howard having a successful year with the Eagles so while I do like the talent they brought in I think they can really mesh with the offense well I think Duke Johnson and you know Philip Lindsay if you want to go back and check the marks of thunder and lightning that we've been saying for three different groups in three different years I mean they both fit those uh so I do think they're trying to find that right talent group to fit with this unit but again man it's tough because not only do the Dolphins really struggle in getting their running backs involved successfully uh but they have yet to prove that any of these guys could really help the Dolphins move the sticks completely agree and i just thought about it because i think if back in it's a great the season, point it's very possible back before the season started i think you know if we came in oh we have duke johnson philip Lindsay now and you know they moved on from gaskin Ahmed. some people will be trying to spin that as an upgrade so i had to ask that question and before we jump into the break jake i don't know if you saw it but the dolphins did restructure i think it was three million dollars of xavian howard's contract to open up some cap space so i don't know what the miami dolphins will do but they now have an extra three million dollars in cap space to potentially you know upgrade that roster more as the season progresses. We talked about the offense, Jake. Let's jump into a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the Miami Dolphins defense going against Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, and that high-octane Panthers offense. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, one of the best developments over the last couple of weeks uh, for the sake of us not pulling out our hairs while we do the show is that the Dolphins defense is really starting to get back on track. And with that in mind, though, I really thought they might have underperformed a little bit against the Jets. Joe Flacco had a decent performance, uh, but they did get two sacks. You remember, you know, Brandon Jones, who basically changed the course of that game with his sack. Jalen Phillips got on the board. I think he's up to two and a half sacks on the year, something like that. Uh, and big picture, Josh, the Dolphins are averaging roughly two sacks a game and is first in the league in quarterback hits. They're a team that loves to make opposing quarterbacks uncomfortable. And they're going against the quarterback, man. It sounds like they love to hate. I think I saw a quote that was Eric Rowe talking about how Cam Newton, you know, he he plays football. He's the, he's the shit talker. He's going to get you going. He's going to try to get in your head. And that's kind of what happened. You think back the last time the Dolphins played against Cam Newton when he was in New England, literally, I think it was week one in New England, 
So I know a lot of these guys are going to be very interested in playing someone like Cam Newton again. So Josh, when you think about what the Dolphins love to do, uh, you know, if you go into the bar and ask someone to tell you about the Dolphins defense, it instantly goes to that cover zero, man, cover zero. Uh, do you think that that way the Dolphins have been working? I mean, Joe Flacco took advantage of a little of it a little bit, but they were able to get to him in the pocket because he's not really someone who can scramble out. On the flip side, Josh, the now going to play Newton, someone who can break some pressure in the pocket, but I don't know if he's someone who's going to be able to understand those quick reads against a uh, blitzing, blitzing defense. Yeah, Jake, I'm with you. I don't know if you're going to be able to sit there and, you know, show all those the, those exotic blitz schemes and, you know, be able to bring all the pressure at Cam Newton and not expect him to, you know, make a play. Because, I mean, let's be honest, I'd much rather have Sam Darnold sitting back there like a statue yep. than going up against Cam Newton. You mentioned earlier in the podcast, he completed 21 of 27 passes for 189 yards and two touchdowns last week. He also had that one rushing touchdown. And, Jake, I mean, he just brings that element of, I don't want to say surprise, but he brings that different dynamic. And, I mean, you see it. Cam Newton looks hungrier than ever. So I think, you know, the, the timing of this is just pretty bad for the Miami Dolphins. I do like how you mentioned that chain snatching game. And I do have to kind of bring up an interview that I had with uh, Christian Wilkins earlier in the year. I think when the Dolphins were getting ready to play the Patriots back when Newton was on there, you know, I mentioned it and he kind of just laughed it off and said no comment. So I know that these two guys are going to be going back and forth. I'm excited to see what the Dolphins defense can try to contain that. Panthers offense because again we're talking about Cam Newton but to me Jake the apple of my eye and you know probably arguably one of the greatest players when he's healthy in all of football is Christian McCaffrey and I know he kind of lost a step a little bit you know some might say but since returning from his injury Christian McCaffrey has carried the ball 37 times for 206 yards and even more impressive is caught 21 of 23 targets Jake so when you hear that when you hear how involved he is in that offense I mean what are the Dolphins going to be able to do to stop Christian McCaffrey who again is arguably one of the best players in all of football when healthy yeah, had 60 yards and a touchdown through the air last week and another 59 yards on 10 carries on the ground. Josh, I think it starts and ends with someone like Jerome Baker. I think he's had a couple of rough starts recently. He hasn't really been that center of the defense uh, that we saw earlier in the year. And then we saw that he deserved that huge contract. So you wonder if this is going to be a good opportunity you're facing, you know, uh, high profile names of Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey is that this is a great opportunity for Jerome Baker to really start to get comfortable and get back into the mix here. Uh, because I think this is going to be an offense that tries to play around the line of scrimmage. And when you think about how the Dolphins play, that's kind of what the Panthers need to do. Because you think about it, Josh, if the Dolphins are blitzing eight guys and you have eight guys running at Cam Newton, if two miss, man, all of a sudden he only has to be, you know, two or other three guys running away from him because the other ones are behind him. So it's a really big risk and reward. And McCaffrey is the same way. You know, if the Dolphins bring seven, eight guys and, you know, they dump it off to McCaffrey and he can make that one guy miss and turn, you know, a four yard gain into a 26 yard gain. That's the difference in this ball game. And that's why you have Jerome Baker to keep it with a four to six yard gain and make him do it five, six times. And in those five or six times, you're hoping a penalty pushes them back or you can get a hand on a ball and really just kind of adjust how they are attacking a specific drive. And let me just quick pull up a re injury report, Jake, because you mentioned some of those players and a lot of them did appear on Wednesday's injury report. We got safety. Javon Holland was limited. Xavier Howard limited. Brandon Jones limited. Byron Jones limited. Landon Roberts limited. Wilkins limited. And Trill Williams was limited. Elijah Campbell did not participate and neither did Adam Shaheen. Two of those, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones were vet rest. But Jake, I mean, Javon Holland, 
Brandon Jones, what they've done, uh, you know, against the run, you know, coming off the edge and applying pressure. And then in the secondary, you know, making plays and coverage to hear that both of those guys, you know, potentially, again, we will get an injury report later today, but could potentially be out for this game. I mean, that to me would be a complete game changer. And Landon Roberts also showed up there. You mentioned some of these linebackers having to be extra disciplined this weekend against a guy like Christian McCaffrey. You mentioned Jerome Baker. Landon Roberts did appear on the injury report, but Brian Flores did say that he expected him to play this week. So tough, tough matchup, Jake, but I hope to God, you know, Brandon Jones is out there and Javon Holland because those guys coming off the edge could honestly be the difference maker in this game but again you can only do so much to stop a guy like Christian McCaffrey because he's going to get his regardless you mentioned difference makers just DJ Moore he caught five of seven targets last week for 50 yards but the Panthers have not won in each of the last nine games that Cam Newton has started for them dating back to 2018 and Josh you bring up the injuries I think one that could be worth noting is the Panthers there's a chance they will be down to their third string left tackle in Brady Christensen. Uh, starter Cam Irving is on IR. Backup Dennis Daly went down with a glue injury last week against Washington. So that could be something where maybe the Dolphins can take advantage, make sure there aren't guys running wild downfield by not giving them enough time. You know, whether it's uh, Jalen Phillips taking advantage of this third stringer rookie third round pick or whether it's Emmanuel Agba doing what he's done all year I think that could be Miami's opportunity to turn the tides and make this more of a matchup that they are comfortable with but Josh I think the best way to look at this and the best way to look at Miami's defense against this Carolina offense there's one question and one question only man and is that can the Dolphins get off the field on third down I was going to say no. I didn't know if that was a rhetorical question or not. I mean, that that's definitely going to be, you know, what it comes down to. I'm glad you brought up DJ Moore because, I mean, he is honestly, he's got to be one of the most underrated receivers in football. I don't know if it's because he plays in Carolina. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the fantasy football players and us that just know how explosive he is. But, Jake, I don't know if they're going to be able to come off the field. I mean, we're sitting here talking about the recipe for them, you know, to run the football, you know, make those third down more manageable. And then they got all these weapons. So I, I want to say they can. I want to say, you know, this Dolphins defense has shown us enough over these last few weeks that a Cam Newton at this stage in his career, you know, uh, yes, he brings that that run game dynamic, but are we really scared of what he can do with his arm? I mean, I'm saying that now, and I know he's going to put up, what, 300 yards, and he's going to make us look like complete fools, but I mean, I feel like this is the right way that the Dolphins can attack them. So can they get off the field on third down, Jake? I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I guess the positive homer in me, Josh, you kind of look at what the Panthers did last week. They were at home. It was the Ron Rivera revenge game. It was the Cam Newton revenge game. There was all this energy. There was this all this emotion in the stadium. Cam scored, and then he went and he put the ball on the Panther at the 50-yard line, and they still lost. So you think about all the emotion they had on their side, all the momentum they had on their side, the energy, the fan base. It's a positive thing, man, where if you have all that going for you and you have all that momentum pregame uh, to still lose, I think that this is a situation where the Dolphins can take advantage strictly because, Josh, the Panthers were 3 of 12 on third and fourth down last week. Despite the fact the Dolphins are 29th in third down defense this year, Josh, I think they could do enough against a team like the Panthers where you're holding, you know, McCaffrey to that seven yard gain on third and nine, whatever it may be. Uh, and I guess the positive about this Dolphins defense, and I think this could come in handy um, if the Dolphins can't stop Cam Newton. Um, they are up to seventh in red zone defense. And, you know, let's say they can hold them to four or five field goals, do something like that, something crazy where uh, they can kind of put a lid on Newton as he gets closer to the end zone and there's less space for him to work with. That'd be a great opportunity for two to come in and, and 
for once have the Dolphins be the team that shows the difference of scoring a touchdown compared to a field goal because, you know, I'm used to trying to nickel and dime other teams. Maybe the Dolphins can kind of force the Panthers into situations where they're not in the end zone and just having to, you know, play the math game of, of three points and, and hopefully there are no two pointers in there either. And maybe I should give a little bit more credit too to the Miami Dolphins run defense that's really improved over the last few weeks. Yeah. You know, I think they're allowing 108.6 yards per game. That's 13th in the NFL, which is much better than, you know, what we saw earlier in the year. I know you have written down here a nice stat. Most defensive stops against the run among interior defensive linemen this season. Jeffrey Simmons is first with 25, Christian Wilkins second with 24, and Zach Sealer third with 23 and that's surprising given how little we see Zach Sealer on the field at times uh Brian Flores was asked you know if he was talking about maybe getting Zach Sealer more reps and he said that's been a conversation that we had Zach has done a good job with the snaps he's been given we're always going to do what's best for the team and if playing Zach more is what's best for the team we'll do that but I like the role that he's in so Jacob we talked about in the last podcast we want to see more Zach Sealer but I just had to make sure we brought up you know how much better this Dolphins defense has looked over the last few weeks against the run but um you know we talk about Jalen Phillips a lot he's really high on my list of uh, you know players I absolutely love nicknamed him Balen Phillips but he's you know he is a little bit vulnerable against the run so Jake I, that's one of those matchups I'm intrigued to see if can't get that North Carolina game out of my head where they got gashed in college and they just continuously ran the ball right at Jalen Phillips. We have seen that be one of his weakness in his game. So uh, hopefully he plays a better game. But overall, man, this run defense is much improved and they're going to have to be against Christian McCaffrey. And that's that's the chess match, man. It is going to be the Dolphins run defense against this rushing attack of the Panthers because, I mean, I don't think Cam Newton on third and long is really going to scare anyone at this point in his career, especially when you think about what Miami has working in their secondary so, Josh, the Dolphins are here trying to make it four in a row. How comfortable are you going into this game? Let me get that final score prediction. I think we've had enough wins where we can go back to being homers and not just look like uh, we're really goofy every week just for taking the Dolphins because, I mean, they have something cooking here. I think a lot of people are still on the Panthers. We mentioned it. They're one-point uh, favorites on the road. So, Josh, how do you feel about how the Dolphins can match up on Sunday, and will they make it a four-game winning streak? Man, Jake, that's a tough question. I'm sitting here. I kind of teetered <laughs> back and forth. And, you know, if, I honestly think if they never made this Cam Newton signing recently, you know, I'd feel much differently about this game. But I'm going to say, screw this. All the all the homer in the world is what we are here. This is our, what we do. So 27-23 Dolphins, I think they'll find a way to pull this off. I think two will make enough plays through the air. And, you know, I think the Dolphins, they're looking back at that matchup where they had against Cam Newton. We know the chirping back and forth. So I think they're excited for this one. So I think they keep the win streak alive. I think, you know, we head up. Five and seven. And, you know, again, cocky Dolphins Twitter sitting here talking about being in the hunt and playoffs. What about you, Jake? Josh, I just have a hard time seeing how this Panther team can consistently find the end zone against the Dolphins. Uh, obviously, I have the that Elijah Moore touchdown sitting in the back of my head where he just had the perfect leverage against Byron Jones. Byron Jones has to go out for it. Uh, cover zero, no safety help, and he just kind of runs free. I can see DJ Moore doing that, Josh, but the Dolphins are starting to show they aren't making the same mistake twice in a game. Um, let's say the Panthers do break in for a touchdown. I don't know if they can do it twice. I do think they can move the ball, though. So when you look at that seventh and red zone defense, let's say that the Panthers are going to score three field goals and a touchdown. That's 16 points, Josh. Let's get the Dolphins to 27 points. Uh, just Jason Sanders is going to miss that field goal to make it 30 to uh, 16. But hey, 27 to 16 still doesn't sound too bad if the Dolphins are improving to five and seven. 
Completely agree, man. I mean, I just can't <laughs> believe that we're sitting here and they're somehow slowly like clawing their way back. And I think, you know, we all know how this might end. You know, we're going to get our hopes up and just be. Oh, no, we know how this is going to yeah, end. We're not going to say it, but we chest. know. How this yeah, is. They'll probably win out. They'll probably go 10 and 7 and still miss the playoffs or something because that's so <laughs> Dolphins. But I think we're both on the same page, Jake. Let's get a W this week in, against Carolina. And, you know, who knows what could happen? Only two shows this week due to Thanksgiving, due to Black Friday and due to. um Hey, it's been kind of a crazy year, but thank you guys so much for joining us on this roller coaster ride. I believe we'll go back to three shows next week, unless the Dolphins get decimated and, you know, they're just decimated and there's just smoke above Howard Rock Stadium as the season ends with just fumes. But we don't think that's going to happen. We're going to keep riding this winning streak, and we would love for you guys to keep doing that with us. Subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your shows to know exactly when a new show is going to go live. We try to stick to Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but just know on this network, you're going to get like five, six shows a week, and and we're going to try to get you three of them. So thank you guys so much. Keep the conversation going with us on Twitter. Josh tweets all the time, all kinds of good Dolphins the nuggets at h-a-u-t-z i can be found at j mendel 94 can't say it enough thank you guys so much for listening thank you guys so much for joining us we'll be back on monday with a recap of miami's performance against the carolina panthers but until then enjoy the rest of your thanksgiving weekend and fins up go dolphins fins up that was finsider radio part of the finsider.com and the sb nation network miami has the dolphins the greatest football team we take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen we're in the air we're on the ground we're always in control and when you say miami you're talking super bowl because we're the miami dolphins Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami